From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights. And this is Corona Business Insights. I'm Sandra Peter. And I'm Kai Rima. And we're back unpacking the impact of COVID-19 on business, the economy, industry, government, workers and society, and looking at the effects of the pandemic while still in lockdown here in Sydney. And this podcast is part of a larger initiative by the University of Sydney Business School. And you can still find our COVID Business Impact Dashboard online at sbi.sydney.edu.au slash coronavirus. And we're back taking a look at where COVID-19 has left us on a range of topics. And today we're having a look at relationships and culture. And this is part four of a series looking at changes in our work practices and the future of hybrid work. Our previous episodes looked at the move to remote work and the implications for productivity and for well-being. And since the beginning of the pandemic, there have been many conversations around the impact that the pandemic and the move to remote work have had on our relationships at work, on our network, on our creativity, innovation, and our corporate culture. But much like the other topics that we've discussed in this series, we did know quite a bit about the impact of remote work and hybrid work, or indeed in-person meetings, conversations, and work on things like relationships or corporate culture or innovation and creativity. Yeah, it's really interesting because before the pandemic, a lot of the conversations in business around face-to-face meetings have been around ideas creation, innovation, creative work. So the discussion around, you know, should people have single offices or should they be in open plan spaces or activity-based working has always been dominated by the idea of serendipity and people bumping into each other and having those spontaneous ideas. And we knew from research before the pandemic that face-to-face meetings or running into people, serendipity fostered ideas that led to innovation. We also knew that this was beneficial to sharing tacit knowledge, to sharing personal information, to sharing more of ourselves in a work environment, and using that to build relationships and building trust between co-workers in the long term. But since the world has been plunged into lockdown last year and still finds itself in lockdown, it is worth looking at what is actually the role of relationships and culture when it comes to work. And it's important to note here that at the very beginning of the pandemic, so the first wave, we were all thrust into this remote working arrangements. We still relied on the relationships that we created up front. And we noted that what we had lost was you know, some of that serendipity and that that was being replaced by scheduling and maybe not everybody was engaged when we were video conferencing, but that things still seemed to work. And in the long term, we would find ways to regain that innovation and creativity that the office would give us. But we're now a year and a half into this long-term experiment, and the conversation around relationship and culture seems to be missing out on a lot. And so while the conversation is still largely focused on whether and how we can regain the creativity and innovation aspect as we're now working from home or you know, when people are not all in the office, we want to point out here that when We're all working from home. Something much more fundamental goes missing that is integral to how we do work in teams, as groups, as organizations. And that has a lot to do with the fact that, as Daniel Binza, a social scientist at Casper, 
Business School in London says, what we do in offices is not usually what people think we do in offices. And he's got research from before the pandemic looking at banks and trading floors where he pointed out the fact that even in work that has been fully digitized, so digital technologies have pretty much taken over finance in the last couple of decades. Banks seem to be relying on bigger offices, bigger buildings, bigger trading rooms, and that people seem to be still working in an office, even though they could easily do that work remotely or do that work from home. And interestingly, the shutdown, the lockdown has afforded the researchers with a natural experiment that allowed them to show that teams who are working face-to-face in front of their computers are more productive, are more successful, have a better performance in trading than when people are working from home trading individually only connected through, say, text chat or the phone. And it seems to be the case that even when people's work doesn't rely a lot on something that the other person is doing, The sense-making that would occur while people are at work, things like incidental information exchange or the way young traders or bankers would be socialized in how to think and how to behave as part of a team, those physical experiences were really crucial to the performance of bankers and traders in these environments. So they point out that it is really about the rituals that form a group, that there's a lot of symbolism in how a team functions when they share the same space, and that the subtle cues that people pick up from each other, the information that people pick up that they didn't actually think they needed, allows them to navigate their job, allows them to navigate the world in much more seamless ways, something that is hard to recreate or even impossible to recreate in a remote work environment. And these insights have been echoed by research that has occurred during the pandemic and will include links in the show notes to new research from Microsoft that showed that employees and teams had become much more siloed since people started engaging in remote work at scale, that connections that people had outside their immediate teams shrunk dramatically. They had fewer opportunities to connect. This also led, of course, to feelings of loneliness and isolation. And this is really interesting because Microsoft did this research on its electronic Teams platform. So what they were measuring during the pandemic is that even on Teams, communication across organizational units, across silos, have gone backwards and people have shrunk into their silos or start communicating more along official reporting lines, along the hierarchies, when these technologies should actually be able to enable people to connect with more and diverse groups, which suggests that the relationships that we incidentally form when we're sharing physical spaces are mirrored into the communications that we have in these electronic spaces. So the insight here then becomes that the loss of the office is not about a culture of innovation and creativity, but rather that the loss of the office is about our ability to do our work well together. Yeah, And this is where we're going to take you to Paris, which is aspirational given that we're in lockdown and we can't really travel. But it is a useful acronym for thinking about what working in the same physical space allows us to do. So Paris. Problem-solving, apprenticeships, relationships, information discovery, and sense-making. 
And we're not saying that these things cannot be done at all in remote work environments, but that when you share the same space, these things become much more effortless, sometimes a byproduct of the kind of interactions that people have in physical spaces, but certainly they become much more efficient. Take problem solving. Problem solving often occurs outside a particular work task. People problem solve in the coffee shop. They problem solve in lunch breaks. They can help each other out uh, very quickly when a problem occurs by just shouting across the office or picking up that someone has a problem. Whereas in a remote context, problem solving might mean to wait for someone to respond or to wait hours in a help desk call. Or to have to schedule a meeting, whereas previously you would have just walked over to someone and sorted it out on the spot. Same thing with apprenticeships. Whilst you would previously just grab someone and get them to come to a meeting with you, or people would just observe how other people behave in their workspace. So you could see your boss going about their business day, or you could see your colleagues problem solving during the day. Or pick up how someone mentors someone else or how people relate to each other. And so in subtle and effortless ways, learn yourself into a profession, into a trade, this becomes much harder when everything relies on scheduled meetings. Which brings us to the R in Paris, relationships. And this is where we would think about networking, building social capital, bringing trust. All of the informal interactions that we have are key to social capital, to the benefits we get from you know, the people we know. And here we should mention an episode of The Future This Week we recorded with our colleague and friend Mark Steers, from the University of Sydney Policy Lab, who gave us a fascinating account of how important face-to-face -face interactions are for building trust and relationships. And he points out that it is very hard to convey personality, character, values when you're on a Zoom call, because a lot of these subtle physical bodily cues go missing, and we might get a very skewed impression of someone who we only meet on a screen, which puzzles us when we encounter that person later on face-to-face -face for the first time, for example. Indeed, technology allows us to convey really strong emotions, excitement or anger or disgust or elation, but it is much more difficult to display values and character, some like deeper sense of who we are and what we care about or what makes us tick. And we do that very easily in everyday interactions, right? All the little things that we just pick up from body language, from the way we just respond to other people or situations around us, from the way we would, you know, share a joke with somebody in a coffee shop queue, or the way we would seize on something that's happening in the world and then have a chat about it or build it into our interactions. So all those aspects of our personality that display our most fundamental values are not about, you know, sharing information or working together on a task. And again, we're not saying that it is impossible to build relationships online or via Zoom or Teams, but it is much harder and takes much more effort. And so what the research at Microsoft showed is that people's networks shrunk. They had fewer relationships. As each relationship takes more effort, more explicit nurturing, people's networks shrink and the diversity of people they interact with goes backward, which of course has detrimental effects for 
the functioning of the organization as a whole because its networks become much less cohesive. And again, it's important here to say that this doesn't affect all people equally. Again, young people report more difficulties in building relationships and being engaged at work or networking. And the research from Microsoft also showed that for new employees, this was a particular difficulty because onboarding, networking, training, everything that would just easily occur in a face-to-face setting required much more of them in an online environment and was much harder to reproduce. Which brings us to the I in Paris, which is a particular counterintuitive one because using electronic media is so intimately associated with information exchange, that it is puzzling why information exchange should benefit so much from working together in the same space. And what we're talking about here is what the CAS researchers refer to as incidental information. The information that we pick up that we didn't know we needed. The discovery of pieces of information that directly help us in doing our work better, but we would never have asked for we would never have explicitly sought out from other people. So this is when you overhear a conversation from uh, someone across the hallway or someone sitting next to you or someone... Someone tells you an anecdote who walks in on you in the coffee shop. If and when we work from home, those sorts of situations just don't occur. We just don't stay and listen in on other people's conversations online. We don't run into people when we get our coffee from our kitchen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We luckily don't run into people when we go to the bathroom. Yeah, but seriously, things that come so natural in an office environment would be completely awkward uh, in a remote work environment. And so they completely go missing. Which leads to the S in Paris, sense-making. How we collectively figure out how the world works, how our company works, what to do about events, challenges, problems. How we make sense of events that have occurred to build a shared understanding, a shared platform from which we see the world as an organization so that we don't have to spell things out every time, but can draw on this shared understanding in doing our work, in having conversations. And the important bit here is that as the networks shrink, as we're going back into our silos, some of this sense-making still occurs when we have team meetings on Zoom, but the sense-making becomes more fragmented. There is less sense-making across silos. There's less sense-making across diverse groups. And therefore, there is less shared understanding that underpins the organization as a whole, which can lead to misunderstanding, problems, and conflicts across those boundaries. And again, this is a particular result of being in these exceptional circumstances for such a long time. We're now more than a year and a half into this pandemic, and most of us still, to some extent, work remotely. So when that happens for an extended period of time, that fragmentation becomes more pronounced and becomes a problem. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were able to draw on the relationships and the social capital, the shared understanding, the sense-making that already existed pre-pandemic. But as time progresses, it is much harder to Um, create new shared understanding to maintain those social aspects that make an organization function and therefore require more and more explicit attention by the company's leaders, for example, and therefore also more time and effort to nurture these things in an environment that is now 
not conducive for these Paris aspects to occur naturally. So Paris, we wish we could go, but we also need to find better ways of attending to problem-solving, apprenticeships, relationships, incidental information discovery, and sense-making. And at this point, we would normally go through the moves, you know. You need to be proactive and make the time to have those informal meetings and encourage other people to do so and be more inclusive and spend more time understanding people. But of course, we also have all the research that has shown that since the pandemic, the number of meetings that we have has gone dramatically up. The number of hours that we spend at work has gone dramatically up. So probably not the best solution to say, now you need to spend even more time building these things and building them into your schedule. So the problem that we're faced with is that we need to spend more time on, on these activities. We need to devote more attention, more effort to them in an environment that is already plagued by high workloads. And so the only escape valve is likely to be lower workload and some compromising on the all-important productivity equation. So likely finding ways to decrease the workload to accommodate for these things and also making relationships and the building of relationships at work a priority. And as we come out of the pandemic and transition back into the offices to find that all-important mix, that all-important hybrid equilibrium between effortless creation of relationships and enabling the Paris from occurring and the productivity aspects that might be associated with quiet work in a home environment. And let's not forget relationships and culture are just part of the story. Hybrid work, productivity and well-being all matter as we look at still shifting work practices and distributed work. So this has been part four of a series of episodes looking at changes in our work practices and the future of work post-pandemic. Check out our previous episodes and that's all we had time for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. From the University of Sydney Business School, this was Corona Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business in the wake of the global pandemic. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, WeChat and Flipboard and subscribe, like or leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts.